Ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Think it's gonna be a long, long time to touchdown brings me round. I'm yet to find. I'm not the man they think I am at all. Oh no, no, no! I'm a rocket man. And And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. (laughs) Awesome. Two early submissions. That's a great song. Yeah, Rocket Man is good. It was. I have no it was. I, I have no idea what he's talking about in there, but he, you know, I've never figured out the lyrics. Never taken the time to really figure that out. Something to do with drug usage, or is it something to do with uh, aerospace? Oh, I read. Uh, you know what? I read the story behind the lyrics not that long ago. I'm trying to remember. It had more to do with aerospace than it did with with drugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think we can get Sir Elton up here on a on a show? I'll go in there and yell and see if he's <laughs> Hey! Hey! Hey, hey Elton! Sir! What's his real name again? Uh, his, uh, Reginald Dwight. Hey, Reggie! Come on up. Let's talk some sports. <laughs> You're probably into soccer. Come on up. Football? Ask him what he thinks about the Cougs going into uh, Knoxville this weekend. <laughs> I'm sure he's keyed into that. And what a difference he thinks Mike Conley's going to make on the Jazz roster. Uh, he might know a little bit more about that, but I don't know if he's a basketball fan or not. I have absolutely no clue. Is he the, one of the most famous musicians on the planet? Oh, yeah. Can you think of anybody who's more famous? Oh, who's sure. Who's still there's, alive? There's probably a couple. I mean, yeah. I mean, the Beatles, obviously, but I mean, who else? Who's still alive? More famous musicians than Elton, Elton John. John. That's, a, that's, a, that's a really great question. Uh, probably, you know, Mick. Mick Jagger, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, there's probably some folks there in the classical end of things, or opera, or something like that, or who would compete. Still alive? I would guess that's just not my thing. We could ask Hans, who's into opera. Who, like uh, Bocelli? Again, I don't know, but I'm just saying. Huh. Anyway, uh, if you want to participate, win ticket Wednesday. We're giving away tickets to Kiss, but we're doing it with your best Elton John karaoke. On the open mic app, <laughs> I like I like the way the guy just sort of trailed off. Yeah, hey, they're, 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 not they're, the man I wish I wrote, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell those guys sing in their car. Pretty hilarious. Or they've been singing in the shower Who for doesn't? sure. Oh yeah. All right. Speaking of singing in the shower, joining us now, of course, he's our Ute insider here on what? the Zone Radio Network. Does Frank sing in the shower. I, Do you I know would that? bet a hundred bucks Frank sings in the shower. He just seems like that type of guy. Frank Dolce <laughs> with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Frank, what do you say? You uh, you let it rip in the shower? Rarely. Rarely? What about in the rarely, car? Rarely do I sing in the shower. I don't want to... I, I don't want to limit that to just myself. I like to sing when everybody's around. So I'll sing it, you know, at the dinner table or while <laughs> helping prepare dinner or... Well, you know, when other people are around, why would I want to just waste, share that with waste me? It. 
Uh, okay, Frank, what was the last what, what song did you last sing while preparing dinner? Come Fly With Me by Frank Sinatra. Okay. Oh, I could see well, Frank hard to beat. crooning a little Frank Sinatra. I could see that. It's it's my it's my deepest, darkest secret. That I was I was born I I'm, I was born to do something that I'm I can't do. Like I want I want to be Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin, preferably, you know, or Tony Bennett or one of one of those guys. And on stage, just the microphone, nice orchestra in the back, singing my heart out. Were you named for Frank Sinatra? Francis, no, I I was named for the sixteen or seventeen Francis's prior to me. Oh, family name, <laughs> dating, dating back to the dating back to the homeland. Yes. By the way, on on most popular musicians or whatever, I told you Hans would know opera. He, he texts me on my personal phone, Luciano Pavarotti. Yeah, but he's not live. Luciano, Lu- Luciano, uh, it's Lu- me. Lu- Luciano. That's Luciano. Luciano. I don't know who that is, but Luciano. Pavarotti. Excuse not, me. Pavarotti. Pavarotti. That was yeah. the rule. They had to be alive. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I'm just oh. getting texts from Hans over here. Okay. That's uh, that's really all. Uh, Frank, want to get to? Uh, I know uh, the game was almost a week ago now, but what did you make of of the Utes last week again? BYU. What really? Give us a couple of things that really stood out to you. Well, I think the the you know Zach Moss was fantastic, and and so he's as expected and healthy and really good, and that that means a lot. I mean, that means a lot for this Utah offense, especially if they're going to be based in the run, like they certainly are going to be based in the run. I think there were some questions answered at the offensive line. I thought the offensive line performed well and can improve, and and that'll get better, and and that'll be nice to see. I was. I like the way the linebackers played. Uh, those guys need to stay healthy but because the depth is an issue. But the, I think both of those guys played really, really well. Defense backfield as expected. Uh, I, I was, you know, I, I thought the defensive line played really well. But at times, I, you know, maybe we just, I just had my expectations were too high. I thought they would be way more dominant. I thought they would be harassing Zach Wilson more regularly if you will so um and and that may be credit to BYU having a really good offensive line and and negating that what I think is always going to be an advantage for Utah uh and then and then I think if you if you look at the passing game that would be my one area of concern and you know I've I people keep saying well you have to factor in that Coach Whittingham was trying to, you know, speed up the game, and there was a lead, and so he's going to run the ball more often, and and this and that, and but, and 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 maybe that's all true for for this game against BYU, and and Utah did what they needed to do to get the win, but as they as Utah continues to move forward, and maybe you know maybe not the next two weeks, but as they move into Pac-12 schedule, I just feel like the passing game productivity is going to have to be better. The percentage was great. I mean, yeah, 13 of 16 is great, but but 106 yards, I don't know that's going to be enough in the Pac-12. I, I would say this, with, with Zach Moss at running back and a passing game that was in the 250 yards per game, I, I think Utah would be a very, very difficult team to beat. How often do you think that'll be necessary, Frank? 
250 yards through the air and or, Zach Moss or there, on the ground. Uh, just, you know, against which teams? Because obviously defensive coordinators are pretty smart. They're going to load the box to try yeah. and stop Moss. But I, I just Absolutely. wonder who's good enough. Who's good enough to pull that off? Washington is good enough to, to do that. Uh, I was impressed by Washington State. I think that's a bad matchup for Utah, and I think Utah's going to have to score a bunch of, bunch of points in that game to come out on top. Uh, Arizona State didn't play, a, didn't play stiff competition, but I thought they played well. And, and so I think that's, a good, that's another good matchup for, for Utah. USC, with the loss of the quarterback, I think that makes a very, even a more interesting game. But, but and, and USC kind of seemed to just manage Fresno State. But there were times in that game where the athleticism of, of USC was undeniable on both sides of the ball. Like they just, they, they mugged Fresno State right at the line of scrimmage several times. And then, and then USC has, who knows, maybe four guys that are going to be drafted in the first three rounds. I mean, the wide receiver group is in, insane. So there's another crew that you have to contend with. Colorado played well against Colorado State. I think that's still a better matchup for Utah. UCL, I don't know what UCLA is doing. I, I thought Chip Kelly might have that thing going, but it, that, that, was, that was kind of a, a tough loss to watch. And I don't know about – I don't know. It, I, I was hopeful that Kevin Sumlin would get Arizona going, but it doesn't look like Arizona is going to be on the – in the south is going to be really high on the list. So, so I still think there's, you know, four-ish in, in Oregon. I don't count out Oregon. I mean, that, that was a tough game against Auburn. They should probably should have figured out a way to pull that one out. So but what, are, what did I name? Five or six schools that, that could potentially give Utah trouble if – they can make Utah one-dimensional, and and I'm, I guarantee BYU wanted to make Utah one-dimensional. They couldn't, but they couldn't stop Moss, which which was a good sign. But if there's a team that can make Utah one-dimensional, and Utah has to rely on the passing game, I think we just don't know enough after one game. The sample size isn't big enough to say, well, yeah, Utah can go out and win that game if they have to throw the ball 30 times. Frank Dolce with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Frank, I want to ask you about something Gordon and I talked about yesterday. What does it say to you? We know that Utah has been looking for uh, a wide receiver number one, not necessarily a slot guy like Britton Covey, but a real baller on the outside. They've been looking for a few years, certainly since Darren Carrington. And C.O.C. Mariner played three years at Utah. He had 52 catches, so less than 20 catches a, a year. He had five total touchdowns while he was at the University of Utah, so some pedestrian stats. He goes up up to Utah State and in one game has over 100 yards, eight catches, and a touchdown and absolutely balled out. What does, what does that tell you? Does it tell you anything? Is that, a, is that a comment on Utah? Is that Jordan Love is that good? I mean, does that, can you read into any of that? <laughs> yeah, I just think it's, a, it's, it's certainly nothing on the, on the athlete. I mean, I think Mariner was as good when he was at Utah athletically and had the same ability when he was at, at Utah. So I don't think it's anything about the kid. I think it's more about the style of play and the, and the, the offense that, that, you're, that you're going to run. And Utah has and, and will continue to be just much more significantly based in the run game and, and the passing game. I, I don't want to say the passing game isn't as well developed, but it's just not the focal point of the offense. I mean, I would guess that, Let's say that C.O.C. Mariner ended up at Washington State. I would suspect he would have similar numbers. But Washington, that's, the, that's the offense Washington State runs. Now, if 
CLC Mariner goes to Stanford, is he going to have the same type of numbers as he did with his first game with Utah State? I don't think so. Stanford runs a, a different type of offense. If CLC Mariner goes to to Washington and even and, and says, "Well, I'm going to be this and I'm going to do that," maybe his numbers are, you know, maybe his numbers change, but maybe they don't. It's a different style of of offense. So I, I would say that I, I would say that the you know the more interesting the more interesting question, and I'm not going to make an I'm not going to I'm not going to make a judgment on it. I say the more interesting question is. What if you swapped quarterbacks? How does how would that affect the passing game on both teams? If if is it a quarterback issue or is it simply a style of offense issue? So I'll just leave you guys. You guys can ponder that one. I'm not going to make a judgment on it, but I think that's an interesting take on the whole thing. Frank, you're probably the perfect person to ask this question. But as you watch Tyler Huntley drop back and 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 throw the ball. Does he look like a quarterback who has been preached at over and over and over again not to throw interceptions? Because he seems really cautious in that regard, and uh, I get it. I get how that's a benefit, but is it also a disadvantage because he's not willing to lay it out there? Yeah. Well, I, it's a good question, and I think the answer is is clear. But it, it, it probably was the, in, in the first game against the rival and you need to get a win or you really want to get a win, then that's probably the right way to manage it is we're going to be extra cautious. And so if I, count, if I counted correctly, you know, 13 of 16 on the day, and he dropped back to pass 24-ish times. So another eight times he dropped back to pass and didn't and ended up running – running the football um and and i thought and you know i'm not on the field i can't see but it looked to me like there were some guys that could have made a play or there was an opportunity to make a throw on some of those on on some of those downs so i would have to assume that and knowing kyle whittingham the number one item on the offensive side outside of Zach Moss running up and down the field was no turnovers. Turnovers kill an offense. Just, I mean, literally just look across the field and ask BYU how three turnovers helped them in that game. They were, they were devastating. And so turnover, the turnover margin is Coach Whittingham, I think he's talked about it in every single post-game conference he's ever given in his life. And so you can you can bet your life that 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 was right on top of Tyler Huntley's mind when he was dropping back. And if it wasn't an extremely clear picture and a, an extremely clear p- passing lane, then he just wasn't going to take a chance of throwing it downfield. And that may change as as the season rolls along, and and maybe the, you loosen the reins a little bit. But but I think in that situation, and when Utah felt like they could run the ball effectively. Highly conservative was the order of the day. How did you think the O-line performed? I thought they did well. I mean, to me, it didn't necessarily look like Tyler Huntley was running around because he had pressure. Maybe, Maybe once or twice, but it looked like he sat in the pocket for long enough to read, make reads downfield and then just didn't like the reads and decided to move. 
So, and, and, and then when you say your running back rushes 29 times and he has 180 whatever yards, that he 189 yards on the day, and he's really good anyway, and he's running like that in a, a nine-minute drive in the fourth quarter, um, then, then I have to, you know, you have to look back at your offensive line and say, yeah, that, that, group, that group did pretty well. I was, that was my biggest question mark coming into the season is, is how that offensive line uh, would perform. And, and for the most part, I would say that Tyler Huntley didn't have to worry about the defensive pressure, and Zach Moss had plenty of creases at the line of scrimmage. Frank, you hinted at this earlier, but after what you saw Thursday night against the Cougars, are the Utes as good as you thought they were going to be? And do you project them if they follow some sort of trajectory of uh, improvement? Do you expect them to be the best team in the conference this year? Yeah, I, I, think, I think Utah is going to be a tough out. If they can, if they can continue to improve, and and the 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 biggest area of improvement to me is is the ability to throw the ball. So you know the run game is going to open up the passing game, but then you're going to need a passing game to keep a defense honest and not allow a defense to put eight or nine people in the box and and try to shut down Moss because they believe that a passing game is not going to beat them. So. So, and especially with some of the things that happened in the conference. I mean, JT Daniels going down. JT Daniels looked like he was, I mean, he was going to, he was ready to lead USC on this revival after a terrible year last year. And so that was super unfortunate. I don't know. I mean, the, the freshman's very talented, but, but, I mean, you never know how he's going to react in these situations. I would, I would guess it's going to take him a minute to get acclimated. So, so, with with all of that and watching the rest of the South perform, um, I think it's not a clear path, but I think Utah kind of sits on top of the pile right now. Oregon, Washington, Washington State, I mean, all of those teams, when you when you figure out where the matchups are, Arizona State, I think that's a tough one, but, but uh, I, I think all of those, it, it's at, at the very worst for Utah, you go into that game even. Um, and in most of those games, I think Utah goes in as the favorite. He is Frank Dolce. You can hear him tomorrow on the Ute Preview Show with Hanson Scotty from uh, 1 to 3. And then hear him on Saturday before and after the Ute game for the pre- and post-game show, which he's going to be hosting with our very own Austin Horton. No big deal. You get to hang out with Austin on Saturday. Frank, how do you feel about that? I, I, I can't wait. Are you kidding me? Maybe the two I of keep, you could sing keep, duets. No one told me Frank was going to be there. We, we, you know, I keep putting a note in into Scott Scotty G's uh, mailbox that says, uh, "Can Austin host the you know the pre and post with me?" And I keep getting <laughs> denied, but I guess it works out this way because Hans has allegiances elsewhere. You know, it's going to be the absolute baldest pre and post game show ever on the Zone. <laughs> Hey, that's that's. I'm not sure that's a bad thing. Heck you know no. what they say about bald men? Oh, what do they bald, say? Bald. Yeah, they say that. That's exactly what they say. Bald <laughs> is beautiful. It hey, is. by the way, I wanted to get. You know, you you guys had a chance to watch that game. You guys took a look at that game. What was your What was your general thought 
on Utah coming out of that game and their chances in the Pac-12. I, I think that team is really, really good. Uh, like you said, Frank, uh, some things they need to, to clean up a little bit. But this was the first game. You know, the NFL guys, they go out and play all these preseason games. Or whatnot. This is the first game. But I saw enough to, to be uh, to be satisfied that this team is as good as uh, I thought it was going to be. I'll, I'll tell you my observation, Frank, and I think you'll agree with me here. I, I'm really happy they're not getting cute with this. Let's throw it around the field crap. And they're just going to absolutely run the daylights out well, of the ball. Well, you know, Frank, we talked with Frank about this last year as that was happening at times. And, Frank, I, I really respected the fact that you were rather forthright in what you were saying about what you're seeing on the field. Too much fiddle-faddling around. Give the ball to Zach Moss and let him run with it. But it's like he said, though, Jake, they're going to have to throw it at times. Sure, but, you, you know, feed the beast. Feed the beast. I, I agree. I, I like, you know, I like that. I like the putting that putting the offense in the in the arms and the legs of Zach Moss and and then working some of those other other guys in there. I think there's plenty of talent at the running back position. And and I believe that you know, when when you watch Tyler Huntley throw the ball, it doesn't look odd. I mean there are times when you watch quarterback drop back and throw and you just think, Well, that looked kind of kind of funny. No, he looks he looks Right, you know, and he throws a good ball, and it's a nice tight spiral. He has plenty of arm strength, and and you can't argue with his athleticism. And now, if you can just get that comfort level and a little more efficiency throwing the ball downfield um, and keeping a defense honest, that that makes for that makes a really difficult challenge for anybody that you face. Frank, uh, Sir Elton is performing here at the arena tonight. What's your favorite Elton John song? Oh, that's um, that's a good one. Uh, oh, I'll probably have to go with. Is it too cliche to say Rocket Man? I mean, that's no, that's, that's a that's great a song. Choice. That's yeah. the that's that 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 may be too that may be too cliche. Oh, I think you're good. But I'll go with it. All right, I'll go with Rocket yeah. Man. Uh, thank you very much, Frank. We really appreciate you, and we'll catch you next week. All right, you guys. Great to talk to you. Talk to you soon. Frank Dolce, our Ute Insider here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. want to remind you to begin and end any great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save Diamond Airport Parking. We'll have Josh, uh, Josh Parcell with us coming up at 5.30, not Sports Report at 4.50. How about those Tennessee Vols? We're going to ask Josh about that since he said they were going to be much improved. Mm. <laughs> they weren't Georgia State improved. So not improved at all then? What, what do you know about Georgia State? Absolutely nothing. I know they're in the Sun Belt. I know they, <laughs> they were two like games two games last year, last year mm-hmm. or something like that. Do you know anything else about Georgia State? They were picked second to last in the Sun Belt this year. Doesn't Georgia State sound like a penitentiary or something? Stay tuned. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.